Hello and welcome back to Pulp Today for part three of my interview with Jess Nevins. How do you see the pulps reflected in modern culture today? Like, do you see that in the MCU? Do you see that? Like, what do you think is the, cl the clearest through line from the pulps to what we have today? Well, um, I gave a pretty lengthy definition of pulps in one of my books and I talked about how there's an emphasis on emotion over logic uh, an emphasis on sensationalism mm -hmm. and an emphasis on atmosphere and short compact vivid characterization mm. and I see things like Breaking Bad, for example. Mm, that's a good example. Which, which is pure pulp. It's just done up with quality right. craft, craftsmanship. Right. Um, but I, I think there's an impulse toward what using using pulp in the broadest sense mm -hmm. toward pulp writing as opposed to high art writing. Right. And right now in popular culture, the what we get is mostly pulp writing. Mm -hmm. You're always going to have high art writing, high art film, high art TV, but everything from CSI to NCIS to uh, The Good Fight, to name a name a popular right i, I was um, gonna say i think I, I i as soon as mcu was out of my mouth i did think television is actually much more like the pulps than any movie will ever be because it is weekly it's there all the time it's the story right. thing just keeps coming at you they got to keep coming up with a twist every week there's got to be violence every week there's got to be emotion every week there's got to be conflict every week they don't have the room they have all of the room to tell a long story, but uh, there's that 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 need to keep telling story, to have a story every week, not like here's one story and we're going to stretch it out for three hours and fill the screen with it, but thing after thing after thing. It's uh, I recently reread the first uh, 20 or so issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I worked with Kevin, who created them, co-created them. And the thing that thrilled me the most about it is it's very pulpy in the sense that there's no feeling of editorial control when you read those issues. They are very much like a 10-year-old going, and then this cool thing, and then this cool thing, and now they're in outer space. When the turtles are in outer space by issue five, I'm like, right. no editor or publisher in the world would have let you do that. They would have said, hey, can they fight the ninjas in New York City for like a year, year and a half? And then we'll do other dimensions and outer space triceratops monsters and crazy shit like that. But Kevin and Pete were young guys and they were like, hey, we love Star Wars. Let's do that with our ninjas in New York City. There's a joy to that. You know, my dad was weaned on this stuff, as I said. And for good and ill, I think you can read his novels and they have very much that and then this spectacular thing happened, and then this spectacular thing happens, and then this spectacular thing happens. And if you're reading them to be drawing room Agatha Christie, who killed Lady Windermere in the, it, forget it. 
you can guess the murder on page two usually uh, because that's not, we don't care about that. We're not here for that. We're here for sex and violence and emotion. People often, I think failed pulp and failed popular fiction is when it forgets the third thing. Uh, anyone can do sex and violence. Sex and violence is very easy to write. Sex and violence and emotion where it's engaging, where it, where you feel something, that's Breaking Bad. That's, you know, that's the good way to do it. As an example, the first season of the Marvel Jessica Jones show, mm -hmm. that's one of the finest things about PTSD I have ever seen in my life uh, and about trauma and about survivorship and all of that. And again, I always argue in favor of genre and I guess in favor of pulp that uh, watching a man wrestle with his demons in high art is a guy sitting in a window staring out into space with a drink in his hand, uh, you know, whatever. In pulp and genre, no, he's actually wrestling with demons. <laughs> like you can, you, you take the metaphor and you turn it into concrete. You go, no, they're real demons. The woman can't leave her abuser because he controls her mind. No, really, he literally controls her mind. To me, that's the value that you can actually, and this is, you know, this, this is my soapbox. I think you can actually, in some ways, do a better job enlightening the human condition when you can use demons and people who can control your thoughts. It's how life feels to people in a vivid way. Uh, it, and again, it's why we've been talking about gods and monsters and heroes uh, since, since drawing the buffalo on the cave wall. Like it's, you know, I, of course, I say this as a comic book writer, but, you know, comic books are literally the oldest form of art <laughs> on Earth. <laughs> walk walk into right. any cave, walk into any pyramid, comic books, you know, sequential story, picture, 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 pictogram, pictogram, pictogram. Lettering came later. <laughs> but uh, we always we don't, we don't, we've always had comic books one way or the other. I think also one thing that gets forgotten about the pulps is that there was a a real joy in just heaping ideas and concepts on top of each other. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking of one Spanish pulp in particular. So you've got a World War II, World War One flying ace. Let's make him a mercenary. Let's let's make his co-pilot a teenage Japanese ninja. Let's make her his girlfriend. Let's make his girlfriend wanted by an international syndicate of guerrilla mobsters. Let's make the guerrilla mobsters send guerrilla assassins after her to kill her. Right. And then let's make her betray the, the hero and join the guerrillas. Mm -hmm. Just keep, and I, I suppose there are people who don't find that sort of thing wonderful, but just taking a, a concept with a lot of meat on the bone that you can do a lot with and then throwing it against the wall and then throwing another one against the wall and sure. keeping it going. It's, it's sort of sensation or constant conceptual overload, what Grant Morrison called an idea explosion, mm -hmm. but you can find a lot of that in the pulps and it's glorious. Well, and, and to, to add to that, I mean, going back to guys like Lester Dent and in, you know, in the, in the paperback period, like my dad, there is that thing of you're not getting paid a lot for this stuff. 
So you got to keep, you got to keep it coming. Uh, and I've found that as a, yeah. as a comic book writer, the pressure of a deadline in publication, I personally find to be a beautiful thing. My father would read about someone who took 10 years writing a novel and he's like, how could you, why, why would you take that long? And you know, that person is in their shed crafting the perfect sentence once a day and then going home. And my dad and that long tradition of pulp writers is like, I gotta get 40,000 words by Friday. And to me, that pressure is fantastic because you can't second guess yourself ever. It's whatever the next idea is, is fantastic. And you go with it and you push it 100%. And then that was this week. Now next week, you got to do it one more time. And then you got to do it again. And then you got to do it again. And the, the amount of writing I did before I had deadlines, like all writers, I will, I will complain about deadlines. But deadlines make you a story factory. They make it impossible for you to be anything but I used to think, ah, oh, what am I, you know, you, when, you, when you're not employed and you're like, oh, I should write a spec something, I just sit around. The amount of time it would take me to come up with something to do on spec, I think about that now. And I was like, why don't I just, why don't I just start something? Why don't, I just, why don't I just go? It's like, well, because no one was making me go. And when All you right. have an editor expecting pages, when you have an artist, you know, and again, the great thing about working in a popular medium is it's not here's your advance come back to us in two years it's this thing is going to be in stores in three months <laughs> you know or you're fired uh and god i love that and i think that's also a big part of the pulp ethos is it's writers with their back to the wall and a gun to their head tell me a story tell me a story right now oh you, the tap you, dancing you, you do is fantastic you must have heard the story about the pulp editor, one of the big names that said to a would-be writer, the would-be writer opens the door to his to the editor's office and says, and this is a true story, which I read in one of the histories of the pulp. Uh, the would-be writer opens the door to the editor's office and says, I want a job. And the editor says, if you can tell me a story by the time you reach my desk, you're hired. <laughs> and so the writer said started walking toward the desk and said there's a skeleton driving a car down main down uh, madison avenue and it's on fire and the editor said you're hired i want it by friday right right and and also the best thing about that story is that's not just a story that's a cover Right. You know what I mean? There's a story and then there's an image that's going to be the cover of the magazine. And really the only thing that matters is the cover of the magazine. Right. To apply that to movies, tell a quick anecdote. I used to be working, I used to work as a grip on uh, low budget movies and I worked for Roger Corman. Uh, Roger famously did not believe in the leveling of Dolly Track or even the laying of Dolly Track because it's a waste of time. It's fancy film school nonsense. I don't need it in my movies. Uh, I was key grip on the second unit of some action movie with Don the Dragon Wilson. The director wanted a crazy 30 foot long dolly move through burning wreckage. It was a post-apocalyptic thing as Don the Dragon makes his first entrance. They went off to shoot another scene. I'm alone, two in the morning, Venice, 
Venice, Los Angeles, leveling Dolly Track at Rogers Studios. And this is, you know, Roger is not producing the movies. He's the head, the head of the head of the head of the studio. Roger happened to visit the set and he, and I feel his seven foot tall Frankensteinian presence behind me while I'm there leveling the track and I see him and he glares at me and I say, they're off shooting another scene. This is what I can do now while they're shooting the other scene. The minute they come back to set, I will stop leveling the dolly track. I absolutely promise. And I said, because after all, the bumps in the dolly track don't show up on the poster. And he laughed and he walked away. He said, good job and walked away. Nice. Well, that was the ethos. The poster matters. The skeleton right. driving the car down Park Avenue on fire. Who was it? It might've even been Roger that said an exploitation movie is a movie that doesn't need stars, that like the concept is the thing that sells you. She-Wolf of the SS, I don't care who's in it. If I wanna see She-Wolf of the SS, I'm gonna see that movie. You know, right. Outlaw bi Bikers from Hell. I don't care who's in it, I wanna see the Outlaw Bikers from Hell. That skeleton on fire, you know, driving the car on fire down Park Avenue, I don't, I don't care, here's my money. Show me, tell me the rest of that story. And yeah, does logic and sometimes even coherence go out the window sometimes when you're telling a story like that? Sure, but it's a hell of a thing to read. When, when it's done well, I mean, there are times I like Lester Dent. There are times I'm reading Doc Savage and I go, this is like a 10 year old romance. <laughs> you know, John Sunlight was a bad man and bad Ben, people didn't like him. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like it, 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 it ain't, it ain't Fitzgerald, but uh, but it doesn't have to be because you just keep going because you're eating a bag of peanuts, you're eating a bag of potato chips, and it's it's wonderful. Thanks for talking to me about this. Well, let's find an excuse to do it again sometime soon. Yes, definitely, anytime. Thanks, Jess. Thank you. For more information, visit pendantaudio.com. Thanks for listening.